Uh, the last eight weeks, I've been in a series in Revelation. We're going through the book of Revelation. But uh, I think you guys have heard uh, maybe four of those messages. I think that uh, sometimes, and I did this in the Daniel series, he'll have me go away from the series just for one week. If I feel like the Lord is telling me that uh, you need to hear something, and so this is going to be something different today. And, um, you know, most of us know that, that God gave complete dominion over the earth to Adam and Eve. He gave total power, or you could say authority, to rule over this earth to human beings. For God to be able to, stand, uh, able to stand by what he said and to give complete and total dominion of the earth to Adam and Eve, he had to give Adam and Eve a choice. They had to have the freedom to choose. If they wanted to give over the authority that God granted to them, over the earth to Satan, then they had a right to do that. And the Lord, who is all about justice, it would have been an unjust move for him to come down, completely destroy Satan, and say, Adam and Eve, don't ever do this again. He couldn't do that and still operate in integrity. We know God spent time with Adam and Eve every day. I believe Satan knew and banked on the fact that that total and complete love that God had for Adam and Eve, he was banking on that God was not going to come down and destroy all of creation because of their mistake. And he didn't take their dominion by overpowering them. He deceived them. They made it a choice to submit to him. And I'm really... And by getting them to submit to him through their own free will, he was in essence using... Adam and Eve as hostages to hide behind. This, this, is out of, uh, this is four short messages that I did on the Final Hour podcast. And I just put them together, and they're all out of um, a book called, by Reverend J.A. McMillan called The Authority of the Believer. It's an older book. We have all these in the bookstore. This guy's kind of an intellectual. So it's harder to understand, but he has a lot of things the other two don't don't have. This one's The Believer's Authority by Kenneth E. Hagan. And this one's by Andrew Womack, The Believer's Authority, What You Didn't Learn in Church. And so I just kind of took to me the best of what they had um, and tried to put it together. A lot of churches today believe Satan is a superpower. And using a high level of power, they see him as being uh, superior to us. Um, if that, that's if they even believe in Satan. And I, I want to remind you of something, Isaiah, Isaiah 14, 15 through 17, in the Moffat translation. This is describing, we're all going to look down on Satan at some point when this is all over. And this is what we say. Down you drop to the world below, down to death's abyss you go. Then those who scan you will mark you and then muse. Can this be the man who once shook the world? It made its throne shudder? Who made a desert of the world demolition its cities? Who never let a prisoner go to return? We're, we're going to look at him and say, that's him? That would have helped me so much to see that that's him. So the Bible's actually going to say we're going to have a hard time believing what we see when we see him. You know, the church does not understand 
that the devil is not using superior dominion and authority against us. The devil is actually using the authority that God gave mankind. It's our dominion and our authority the devil uses against us. Without that, without the power that man gives him, he has nothing. The devil completely depends on people empowering him. Even in the Old Testament, it takes a human being to submit for the devil to be able to, for him to be able to do anything against us. Satan and his fallen angels, they're spirit beings. They have no power on this earth outside of the power of human beings yielding to him. You can see it in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. God gave human beings dominion over the world. He gave them authority. What authority is? It's the right to use power. He gave it to Adam and Eve. God told Adam and Eve, everything I've created will do what you say. I just think many Christians view Satan as someone that overpowers them. He can't do anything unless you let him. God gave that authority over the earth to physical human beings. We have Satan who is a spiritual entity. He does not have a physical body. He's powerless. Only the power that he has is what we yield to him out of our own bodies. What's yielding to him? Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. Not using the authority you have, in a sense, is yielding to him. Look at the Apostle Paul. You know, he's in heaven, right? He doesn't have the authority to function on the earth because he doesn't have a physical body. You and I have more power right now than the Apostle Paul on this earth because he's missing a physical body. What I'm saying is the devil can do anything, can't do anything without using someone in their physical body. This is why he tries to deceive us in our hearts. So we do wind up yielding through our anger, pain, oppression, depression, or just not using it. I'm not saying Satan is not a factor. Satan is a factor he has to be dealt with. The Bible says don't be ignorant of his devices. It also says not to be afraid of him. But you cannot be passive towards Satan. You have to be active and intentional when you deal with Satan. And you have to do it every day. At this point, you cannot miss a day. And if you miss a day, uh, I just would not. I would never do that this day and age. I would not miss a day. I'm talking about giving him commands. And I'm not saying you you have to do 20 minutes on this. We're just trying to get it from a bottom line understanding. God is a spirit. Satan is a spirit. God gives dominion and authority over this world to Adam and Eve. And you would, you, I'm telling you, it would not have been a just thing for God to come down here and intervene in the affairs of man. He had the power to do that, but he couldn't just step in and say, I'm fixing this. He couldn't. If we're talking justice, he had given authority to Adam and Eve, and they had given it to Satan. He would have been a liar to take it back from Satan, destroy him, crush him, kill him. Okay, guys, that's your last chance. Don't eat from that tree now. One more chance. He would have been a liar. This is why he had to come in a human body. 
For him to fix this without being a liar, he had to show up down here in a human body. This is why he sent his son Jesus to the earth. We're talking about the issue of authority being given to physical human beings. God at that point had to become a man. He had to become a physical person. He couldn't save mankind any other way until he maintained a physical human body. And you can see he, he, did, he did his best to work through people in the Old Testament, but it was impossible. And he says it, Ezekiel twenty two thirty. I saw, for, am I talking too fast? It's just so many, I got a lot of notes. Okay. I, he, he says, I sought for a man among them. He looked all over the world that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Multiple scriptures like this. Since there was no person, nobody sinless, nobody perfectly pure, nobody uh, able to operate in or bring in God's righteousness. Now you know we can do that. We can bring in the righteousness of God. We actually can do that because it's a gift to us, but there was no one to do that. God had to come and save us himself. He gave dominion of this world to human beings. He had to become one to get it back, and it took it upon himself, and hence he came into the world as a human born to die. When Jesus made the statement to the fact that the Father had given him authority to execute judgment because he was the Son of Man, what was he saying? He was saying that he had that authority because now he had a physical human body. He had taken on the flesh, and he had that authority now. It was almost like the devil was using Adam and Eve um, and what they did as something to hold the human race hostage. It was like he was saying, if you do anything to me, you're going to have to do it to them if you're really fair because they gave it to me. But now we have Jesus becoming one of the hostages, a physical human being. Jesus entered into the devil's kingdom and and he took away all authority and power from Satan. So here's where I'm at. All Satan can do is deceive you. He can't overpower you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get advantage over us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. 90% of the church is ignorant of it. That's saying we need to know what's going on. He is someone we need to know about, and you have to resist him. The New Testament says over and over, you have to resist him. This is out of Kenneth Hagin's book, The Believer's Authority. Jesus appeared to him in a vision and talked to him for one and a half hours about dealing with demons. And in the end of the vision, towards the end of the vision, he said an evil spirit that looked like an elf ran between Jesus and Kenneth Hagin, throws up like a a smoke screen of black, um, started jumping up and down and yelling real loud, yakety yak yak. And and, and Kenneth Hagin said, I couldn't see Jesus or understand what he's saying. He said, I couldn't understand why Jesus was allowing the demon uh, to create such a problem. He was sitting there wondering why Jesus didn't rebuke the demon so Kenneth Hagin could hear what he was saying. He sat there waiting for Jesus to do something, and Jesus just kept talking. He said he couldn't understand a word he was saying, and he thought to himself, doesn't Jesus know I can't hear a word, that I'm missing everything that he's saying? And he became so desperate, he'd miss like three minutes of this 
of these words from Jesus, these personal words that he panicked and he yelled out, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, I command you to stop. And the minute he said that, the demon hit the floor and he was, he was shaking and, and spasming and he couldn't even look at him. He couldn't even look at him. Remember that, like, remember that. Technically, it's in the spirit world. They were trembling, and then, and then he said, not only shut up, but get out of here in the name of Jesus. And, he, and the little elf got up and ran out of the room. And the, and the Lord ex, knew exactly what Kenneth Hagin was thinking. Because he was thinking, why did he do something? He said, Jesus looked at him, he said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. He said, Lord, did I hear you right? He replied, if you hadn't done something about that, Demon, I couldn't have. He re-asked the question four times, and he told Jesus, I need to see three New Testament scriptures backing that up. And he said, I'll give you four. He said, I couldn't have done anything. He said, this is what he said. Jesus told Kenneth Hagin, there's not one single time in the New Testament is the church ever told to pray that God the Father or Jesus would do anything against the devil. Not one time. You're not going to find it. To do, to do, God do something about the devil is a waste of time. It's the believer, it's the Christian that's told to do something about the devil, and there's example after example, and the reason is because the Christian has the authority to do it. The church is not to pray to the Father in heaven about the devil. The church is supposed to exercise the authority that Jesus gave his body for that belongs to the church. The New Testament tells Christians they personally have to do something about the devil. Unless the believer does something themselves, nothing will be done. Nothing will be done. Matthew 28, 18, I'm talking about commands, and I'm not talking about running around all day binding the devil. That's not what I'm talking about. You don't have to do that, all right? And, And I was in Israel with Billy Brim, and I got like two hours with her a day, she said, Jim, I have 10 grandchildren. Nine of them are living for the Lord and have, and it's because I take my authority every day. I push back demons. I tell them they can't touch my grandchildren. Nine out of 10 is pretty good. And she says, that's why. I said, how often do you do it? She says, I do it every morning for, from like seven to 10 minutes. And I'm thorough about it. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Multiple commentators are saying, instead of all power is given unto me, it should be translated, all authority is given unto me. There's a difference between the two. And I'm going to use an Andrew Womack um, example. It's a really good one that he had in his book. You have real busy intersection, crowds of people on sidewalks, Cars, multiple vehicles coming along this four-way intersection. A police officer in the middle of the intersection. He raises his hand and causes all, causes all these vehicles to stop. He signals the pedestrians to go. They come across in a wave of people. It's not the personal, what you would call power of this police officer. Power would be something like a superhero. Power would be able to stop a car physically. Let's say this cop is just a, a regular six-foot um, 
180-pound guy, and he does not have the physical power to stop a car, but he has something better. He has the authority of the police department who he works for. The moving crowds, the cars, the vehicles, they recognize this guy's authority. Authority is delegated power, and it's the value of the strength of the authority is all depending on the force behind the person using the authority. And when you use your authority, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about what's behind you when you use it. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 is saying, is saying, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. When Christ went to heaven, he transferred the authority to the church. He, his authority has to be taken and used through his body, the church, which is the church on earth. And where's Christ now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so to really understand it, Somehow I, I wind up in these verses. It doesn't matter what I'm preaching on. Ephesians 1:18. Okay, and so this is this is a prayer you should be saying every day over your kids. There's four of these epistles, prayers, main ones. Two in Ephesians, one in Colossians, one in Philippians. Colossians one, Philippians one, Ephesians three, Ephesians one, and just picking up at, at verse 17, it says, he says, "Grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation." Why? Why is he asking for wisdom and revelation, right? Verse 18, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what the hope of his calling, that would be nice to know, and what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints is, comma, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward to you word, that's you, us word is you. He's praying that we would have wisdom, and he would reveal stuff to us about this power that's given to us. So he's saying, you got it. It's yours. But who believe? The people that believe. You know, so he's praying an enlightenment. That the, the, old, the, the Amplified says that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. That we may come to know and understand the immeasurable unlimited and surpassing greatness of your power that is in us and for us, that we've come to know and understand it. And so verse 19, or let's look at verse 20, after it talks about the power that is to us, he worked in Christ, that means worked, rot means work. He worked in Christ, it's the same power which he worked in Christ. What, what, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. This is the most overwhelming display of God's power ever. You know why? Because the devil knew this is God's son. And I guarantee you he was, uh, the Satan threw the kitchen sink. He threw, there were probably no demons on earth at that time. He threw everything to stop that resurrection because he knew. I think by then he knew what happens here if he gets up. But they were defeated. They were defeated. Colossians 2.15, what happened? Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them in hell, openly, triumphing over them. It says, one translation says, he paralyzed them, froze them down there. 
The Romans, when they would defeat a culture of people, they would bring all the captured soldiers and the leaders of that civilization and parade them through Rome in chains, making a public open show of those people they captured. In essence, this is what happened in hell, in all heaven and hell saw it. God is trying to explain to us in, in epistles, prayer, and epist- this Ephesians chapter one, exactly what happened in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and where Christianity ultimately wound up, and who his authority gets delegated to. That's what this is all about. You're not gonna have authority if you never use it. it you, you're just not. And Well, I, I did that. I, I did that once, and it didn't work. Every... Your prayers build. Every time you do it, it's like a brick. You do it 20 times, you got 20 bricks. Eventually, you got a wall. And I'm just saying, your prayers build. My mother will tell you that, and you'll see that it'll get stronger, and you'll get more confidence because you're speaking. Your spirit man is hearing. He's growing, right? I'm just saying, you can't just do this once and say, well, that didn't work that time. Ephesians 1.18 again, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. (laughs) Hey, that's perfect timing. I just got that. I just got that. Okay. All right. Is that guy a volunteer or what? What's he? He's praying that our spirits would figure this out. He wants the whole body of Christ, all Christians, to be enlightened to the fact that the believer in Christ has this authority that's been delegated to us. You'll never get this with your intellect. That's why he's asking for revelation, that it would be revealed at the beginning of the prayer. This is exclusively about our authority, and it just doesn't stop in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 2, keep reading, and you he hath quickened quick and given life, who were dead in trespasses and sins. What's being said here by the apostle Paul is according to his mighty strength, when he raised him from the dead, what he's saying here, when, when we take Jesus in our heart, your spirit gets quickened, and in essence, he raised you too. Christ being raised from the dead in Ephesians 1.20, that's speaking about the reviving of the body of Christ. In Ephesians 2.1, in the mind of God, when Jesus raised him from the dead, he raised you for the dead. You from the dead. Look, look, he pounds it in in verses five and six. Ephesians two, even when we're dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. What did this just say? The head of the church, Jesus Christ and his body, that's the church, were raised together. This authority is not just put on the head, it's also his body. The head and the body are one. And not only were we raised with him, we're seated with him. That's our position. God gives you credit as if you were crucified. You're crucified with him. He does. He gives you credit as if you hung up there yourself. And if you were raised from the dead, that's how he views you. What the scripture is trying to explain is to make us understand that our eyes will be flooded with this light about the kind of power that we're supposed to be operating in. And notice after it says, in verse 20, it says, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that power. We have that power. 
that, the, the power that it took to, to raise Jesus from the dead, it, the same power is what it says. What does it say in verse 21? Far above all principalities, powers, might, and dominion. Those are demons. I'm going to prove it. Those are demons, ranks of demons with different job descriptions. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, this authority is going to be used in that which is to come, the world which it says to come. Interesting. He has put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things. To who? The church. So it's clear. Jesus Christ is far above all principalities, powers, might, and dominion. We're seated with him. So are we. We're part of his body. These ranks of demons out of the Macmillan book, Authority of the Believer, the older one. He says the first rank are considered mighty demonic princes. These are called principalities. They rule over large areas of the earth. Their authority includes authority over nations. The second rank of demons, commentators, it's a very close word to the principalities, but they think it's a lower ranking demon that would be like if, if the principalities are generals, these guys are like full bird colonels, assistants to the principalities. The third rank listed in Ephesians 121 called might. In other areas of scripture, you call the rulers of the darkness of this world. This rank of demons is a ministry of deception whose main job is to keep in darkness the minds of men, especially world leaders. Their main job is to keep people in ignorance of the love of God and purposes of God. Then you have the fourth listed rank in verse 21, and dominion. This is also called in other places in the Bible, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is the body of demons that have, close, have a close connection with mankind. Close connection with mankind. And their main job is to stir up animal passions. All manner of sen sensational or sensuous desires. These are the guys commentators believe that are involved when you have seances, speak to the dead, Ouija boards, tarot cards. <laughs> Witchcraft through numbers. These are the guys that you have involved. You know the numbers game can be witchcraft. <laughs> when you have your uh, reading, your tarot reading, you're opening your spirit completely to the reader. And every demon she or he has is, gonna, is, gonna, is, gonna, is going to uh, rummage through your spirit. When you do that. It is believed that's these guys behind all this. They're always on attendance at, at religious gatherings. This is just, this is Macmillan's opinion here. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. You know, we, we, we talk about which he worked in Christ, raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all the demons and every name that is named. Verse 22, he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to us, which is his body. The fullness of him. If you don't believe we're the body of Christ, you know, it's all over the Bible. Do I have to prove that in, in here? Okay, thank you, because I'm ready. If you want me to do it, I got, I got the notes, all right? 
I'm trying to lay groundwork. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about breaking the power of the devil on a daily basis. But, but why, why, are, why do we have to know about being seated in heavenly places? Why, why do we have to know? Why do we need to know about that? Okay. Well, Ephesians 6.12, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not about the person. I just got to get through my, that, I just, it's like I go to work and forget that. It's not the person. It's what's moving the person. It's what the person, it's what the person is, is giving permission to control their life. You can move that thing. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There they are. There's, there they are. Powers against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's who the fight is against right there. Every day, every day. There's the spirits and God teaches us these evil spirits are fallen angels who have been beaten already through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We have to realize we deal with these demons on a daily basis, but you have to deal with them. If you don't deal with them, you're gonna have some trouble. You just walk around receiving peace all day. We'll see if you're in peace. There's another prayer in Colossians 1. Let's look at verse 12. Thanks to the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of... There's that word again. This is an inheritance. An inheritance doesn't cost anything. we, We read it just in Ephesians 1. This is our inheritance. That he has delivered you from the power of darkness. Darkness has technically has no power... It can't do anything to you, technically. But all, it all hinges on what you're doing and what you know. Most people are deceived and taught, we're not going to exercise our spiritual authority until the millennium. You know what? Millennium, Satan will be chained in hell. There's no need to exercise authority in the millennium. And I don't believe when we go, the ones that go in the rapture are not down here. That's a big divide in the church, by the way. Um, we're not going to be down here. You'll see. You say, you're right, Jim. We'll be looking down on the millennium. We'll be looking down. You say, remember, I remember when you teach that. You taught that. And, that dad, and Mac was right, too, about that. You know, Mac. But anyways, <laughs> we'll see. That's not that far off, either. Right? And, and so you don't have to walk around in fear for your children, or what's going to happen to you. But this is something you need to do every day. And your prayers build over time. But when you use your authority, when I start to pray, I always check in from my heavenly ministry. I do. Always. I, I take my seat of authority out of my heavenly ministry today. I operate out of my heavenly ministry today. This authority I'm about to take, you know where it's coming from. I already start to talk to him. And I'm checking in for my heavenly position. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Uh, just p- paraphrasing this, this story, um, Kenneth Hagin had a dream, and him and this other minister were walking in this stadium, and it was a nice field, and, and they're in the middle of it, and they turn around, and there's two large lions coming at him full speed, fangs bared. And they realized they couldn't get to one of the doorways. They, didn't have, they wouldn't have made it. 
So he just started walking towards him. And just, I want to get his exact words. And he said, I resist you in the name of Jesus. You can't hurt me. And they just slowed down. And he says, in his words, they walked up to him almost like kittens. They sniffed around my ankles frolicked, frolicked, and frolicked off, paying me no attention. At the time, I was in a battle in my body with my health. When I woke up, God put the scriptures 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be sober. Be vigilant. You know what that means? Watch. Pay attention. Be vigilant because your adversary, that's the devil, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That means he's checking you out. Can I, can I devour her? What do you think, guys? What does she know? They know what you know. They know what you've been saying. Some people, you know, I know in my heart, they can't even get close to because they can't get permission because they've been spoken to and they know they'll be spoken to again the next day. And like I said, it builds up. You know, he, look at verse nine. Comes at you like a roaring lion seeking whom he may. Can we devour Dennis? No, we can't get Dennis. That's what they're doing. What, do you think we can get him yet? Okay. Verse 9, resist steadfast in the faith. One translation says, in your faith. You have to resist him. He's coming. You have to resist him. And it won't be through a dream. It's a physical world. You have spiritual tools we've been given. And we see in the case of the dream, he used the name of Jesus and commanded these things to go and that thing did leave his body from what he did in that dream. It means he doesn't devour everyone. He's whom he may. May we? Whom he may. He takes the weak ones. That's what the lion does. They, they, they figure out who's the weak. What's weak in the body of Christ? Well, number one, the people that do not understand what are you saying has power? You can ask things to come on you. And, and, and just people who don't even do this, they, they don't know to do it, they know about it, but they don't do it. That, to me, that's the weak ones. The Bible says you perish for a lack of knowledge. Uh, and, you know, the Bible says the spiritual world is more real than the physical. I'm not talking about seeing a devil on every doorknob. Not everything is the devil. I ate a whole plate of nachos, and I want the second plate. That's not an evil spirit. That's my flesh saying, I want that because you've given that to me so many times. Give it to me. Give it to me now. And you throw it away, and something says, go get, get it out of the garbage. I know some of you have dealt with that. But, but, but you know that kind of person, that kind of person that, that, that gets in a major accident every year? Major, like five years in a row. That's an, a spirit that is a, probably hanging around their neck. I'm not talking about possession. There's something called an angry spirit. 
And, and I'm not talking about everybody that gets angry is a spirit. Every time someone gets angry, no. It's an angry spirit that sits. It rests. It says in Ecclesiastes, and, and notice pride is in this. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in your spirit to be angry. That's in your spirit. Because anger resteth in the bosom of fools. What about the person that just has sickness after sickness, a different sickness every week? That's a spirit of infirmity. What about someone who's so paranoid they think someone's always out to get them? They see things that are not there. That came in. Either a spirit of fear brought in a spirit of deception or vice versa. But they come together, you know, a lot of times. And, and I had that. I had that. And, and, and what's crazy about that, in my low 20s, I read 22 Stephen King books, the first 22 books he ever wrote. And, and you know, the clown and all the stuff, right? And I'm just telling you what that did is that put something, that paranoia thing. I was up for 10 years with a gun in my hand looking out the windows of my house. And it, Anybody in the yard? If I got up to go to the bathroom at 11.30, I'd look out a window. And that, you know what? That jumped over on one of my kids. You know? All because I just wanted to open my spirit up to that. 22 of those books. You know, pride, pride is in our flesh. Pride is in our flesh. We all have. You have to check yourself. But if it goes unchecked, right, that brings in something. You know, not, not, I'm not talking about, but, but something gets, to, get, gets its permission to come over and kind of stand by you and shoot, shoot thoughts at you. You know? What, what about those people that, that, that they're, they're in such a position of power, no one can disagree with them? Right? You see this with those, those people. Unless they're heavily, heavily in the word, they will become deceived because everyone, in a sense, should be responsible to someone. That's why ministers have to answer to someone or you will get to the point you think you're always right because no one is, everyone's too afraid to tell you you're wrong. What, what, if you're, are you having days from one big negative whacked issue to the next, boom, boom, uh, nine o'clock. How did that happen? That's never happened to me before. 11.30, oh my gosh, and now this happens today. If you have five days in a row like that, that's a spirit. You need to start speaking to it. And I'm not saying you're not, you're not gonna have one day, but one is better than five. That means you're losing the battle in the spirit world, and the spirit world is more real than the physical world, and it affects the, the physical world and the end result. Christians that just, just run around throwing up wishful prayers to God. Oh, God. My son who's being bullied in school today, every day, help him. My son is, okay, there's nothing worse than sending your child off to school six hours a day knowing there's a bully there waiting for him. It's heartbreaking, really, because there's nothing you can do. Believe me, I tried it all. I tried yelling at those kids. I tried yelling at their parents. It, it, no, nothing works. It all backfires on you. It all backfires on you. No. You say, I bind that spirit that's coming against that my son in the name, the name of Jesus, that spirit, that harassing spirit, whatever you are, I don't even have to name you. I'm calling you out 
in the name of Jesus. And by the way, the spirit of, of fear and insecurity that is driving Johnny of the bully, you back off him too. And, oh God, help him. You know, what, you know what the devil does when he hears that? He's like, guys, she just, she just asked God to help her. Look, if we hit him harder today, she's going to get mad at God because she doesn't even know what to do. Right? He's going to say, hit him harder. Let's make her mad at God. You know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people in there know this stuff, and this, this is fundamentals. I coached high school soccer for seven years, high school basketball for 18 years. And you can get into the technical stuff. The technical stuff is fun. The junk defenses, all the presses, the neat offenses. But I can tell you what, if you can't shoot and dribble, you'll never win the game. This is fundamental. This is a daily thing that you have to do. And if you don't do it in this world right now, you will not win. You have to do it every day. This is our inheritance. It's not something you do as a favor for God. It's something you have to do. And, and, and you need to know that this stuff is real and it's going to become more and more real as we move forward because the line between the physical dimension and the, and the spiritual dimension is starting to thin now as we move closer to the rapture of the church. I'm trying to, yeah, literally sell you on the fact to start doing this. Like I'm selling you a car with scripture. You have to use your authority five minutes every day over your kids. You know what they're dealing with, and you can even call out things they're not dealing with, things that are waiting for them. You can cover your children. Once they get a certain age, you can still cover them, but they have a free will. We're not talking about witchcraft as in making them do something they don't want to do, but you have the power to push back spiritual entities that have been assigned to your children so they, they've got a, a better opportunity to hear that still, small voice. How many daughters of people in this church have I seen wind up with a boyfriend, with a controlling spirit, and this girl grows up in the church, winds up rejecting God because the spirit of deception ends up controlling her, and as a parent, you can start fighting that thing when she's five years old. You can. You can start fighting that when she's five. There, there's a spirit, have you ever, you ever seen an accusatory spirit? Just ac ac accusation after accusation after accusation. They can't go, go five minutes without accusing someone of something. That is a spirit of accusation that is assigned to their life. What about, what about the, the spirit um, of worry? You know? You ever talk to those people that it's like they're sad if you don't give them any bad information to worry about? That's a spirit of fear. That's a spirit of fear. There's a spirit of intimidation. Spirit of revenge. A spirit behind self-pity. I guarantee you that victim thing, that's a spirit. Where everybody's, they're just a victim. Everything. 
Spirit of confusion. There's a Jezebel spirit. There's a spirit behind oppression. There's a spirit behind unforgiveness that eventually invites in bitterness. There's a lying spirit. There's a spirit behind covetousness, fear, poverty, self-hate, i.e. cutting oneself, or the spirit, or suicide. Um, it just, there's, as much as these little spirits come at you through sometimes through people, you have got to, if you do nothing, right, if you don't, if you don't use your authority on a daily basis, you're just going to get whooped all the time. I remember, I remember in, uh, my mom was dealing with a minister, trying to help another minister uh, who was just in a dire situation um, when we were in Israel. I mean, like counseling every day. And Billy was at the table, you know, and she just kind of, she pointed at me and she said, guarantee you they're not using their authority. Guarantee you not to be judgmental. You know? The weakest member of the body of Christ, or you could say the least member has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. I believe this needs to be done on a daily basis. Billy Brim told me to do it in the morning. And I have. I've never, I haven't missed a day. Even if I'm short on time. You know, I write it down. I do eight minutes. And I write, write it at my daytime. I write in eight and put it in parentheses. I make sure I do it. It needs to be done daily. You know, you, you can do it in five sentences. I'm, I just, I tend to be real detailed and have the time to do that. Look at Hagen's, look, look at Hagen. Two different things. To the one little spirit, one sentence. Two sentences. To the lions, one sentence. Okay? You can limit God, Psalm 78, 41. They turned back and tempted God and limited God. Mark 6, 5, he, Jesus could do no mighty work. He laid his hands just on a few people with, with headaches, it looks like. Jesus Christ himself had to have cooperation from people. You seeing that? To release his power. Okay, okay, okay. You know, you can't just run around down the street casting the devil out of everybody. That's not what, what I'm talking about. But you have the authority to break the power of the devil anywhere in your own life or your immediate family. But that doesn't, you, you know, you, you know, when I pray for you, when I pray for you, and I pray for you every day, Paul prayed for congregations in the Bible, right? He told the Ephesians, do not, uh, do not cease to pray for you. Make an, he prayed for them every day, okay? Do not cease. I pray for you every day, Ephesians, all right? But, but like, yeah, yeah, it goes out. It goes out every day, okay? But you know what? It pushes things back, but what you can do for yourself is so much more. Okay? Um, when I pray for, for my enemies, people who I know hate me, you know, they, people that would tell you they're my enemy. And if they didn't, then they're liars. Just check their social media. When I pray for those people, I can push things back on them. 
I can. And, and, and when you do that, it helps keep your heart clear. When you can do that every day. I name. I name my enemies by name every day. I'm talking about spirits that are assigned to them like a spirit of oppression or depression or accusation or, you know, most bitter, angry people that want to sling their stuff all over everyone. That comes from something inside them. There is something attached to them. Thank you, Lord. Can I protect myself from any weapon being formed against me prospering? Yes. Yes, I can. But, but I can take, I can help you, take an authority f- for you, and I do every day. But, but, but you can help yourself so much more. This is straight out of a book called Prayers That Avail Much. And you don't have to do it like this. You'll see that, that they want you to name the spirits. Jesus had the spirits name themselves two times. You don't have to name the spirits. But for myself, when I know what's coming at me, when I know what's going at my children, or, or what's trying to get into this church, what's going on in this church, I do name them, okay? But you can see at lwcc.org slash confessions. And it's, it's out of a book called Prayers That Avail Much. It's, it's, it's like, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come boldly to your throne of grace. I present myself before you. This is all scripture. I stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of me and my children the Living Word Congregation, Joe Biden, yes, Governor Waltz, yes, the U.S. Senate, U.S. House, and, and um, the this Minnesota State Legislature. I stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of us, knowing that the Holy Spirit within us takes hold together with us that would, uh, it, against the evils that would attempt to hold us in bondage. All right, now listen to this. Listen to this. Just, there's a bunch of scripture. It's all scripture, right? And that's fine. But here's the main part. Satan, I speak to you. To the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places. You gotta not have to name all that. And demonic spirits assigned to me and my children. That spirit of fear on the one. I'm speaking to that spirit of fear. I'm speaking to that spirit of rejection that's on my spouse from when uh, she was a, he was a little boy, right? You can speak to that, okay? I take authority over you. I bind you in the name of Jesus, and I loose you from your assignments on my family right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, please, go. There you go. You're running. You're running. Run. That's right. Run. If you saw me in my house, you'd think I was crazy, right? Run! <laughs> I see him run. Well, it says it. It says they run. It says they run. Okay? Look, we looked at this. First Peter 5. After you see the lion, going, the, the, I call it the polite lion. May I devour you, Dennis? Do we mean may devour? What does it say? Verse 9. Resist steadfast in the faith. What does James 4, 7 state? Submit yourselves to God. What's submitting yourselves to God? Resist the devil and make him flee. But you have to resist him. It doesn't say pray to God and resist him. That word resist there in the Greek, it means run as if in terror. They run from you. Why aren't people getting healed on... 
You know, I notice a lot of people, times that, that people are new, they just hear the gospel, they come in here, they get this quick healing, right? From someone laying hands on them. That's a person new to the gospel that you would call a baby Christian, but eventually God puts the baby Christian down and tells them to walk. So many people want to have someone else pray for them all the time. And while we should be helping the baby Christians because they don't know how to help themselves, Christians need to grow to the point where they use their own authority because the time will come where you're going to have to use it, especially in this day and age. Thank you, Lord. We're going we're gonna to decree some things here. Um, we're going to decree some things. I'm just, I'm tired of holding that. Um, okay. So this was, my mom was at a prophetic conference, of, uh, just a, a small group of prophets, really from all over the nation in Minneapolis a few weeks ago. It was the week that Copeland was here. And um, this, this word boomerang is, is being spoken by prophets all over the world right now. And it's not like they're getting on the phone saying, are you using boomerang today? Yeah, I'm going to use boomerang. You use it next week. Call Linda, have her use it over in California. They don't know each other using it. And he's speaking this, and this was spoken over the city. Because God says that it's time for retribution. It's time for a full recovery. Even for Minneapolis, the Spirit of the Lord says, I'm going to cause even generations of evil that have been perpetrated against this city. I'm going to cause generations of things that the enemy has tried to work against you for evil. You're going to begin to experience a boomerang effect. You're going to experience boomerangs in your churches. You're going to experience boomerangs in your business communities. You're going to experience it in your schools. And the Lord says, I'm going right to the very heart of racism and anti-Semitism. The Lord says, I'm breaking the spirit of robbery that has been against this city. The Lord says, you will experience turnaround. You will experience a reverse curse. You will experience the fullness of the revival in this town, says the spirit of God in this city, for I have claimed it for my kingdom's sake, says the Lord. And so, goes on to say, Haman represents a spirit of robbery, Haman out of Esther. And, 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 but he is a native Magite, a Magite, there are the Amalekites. The Amalekites are the guys that took all David and his mighty men. They took everything. They, they, they stole everything. They stole their wives, their children, their possessions, everything from them. And what I'm saying is Amalekites are a type of the spirit of robbery. And so, so we're going to speak over this. We're just proclaiming, decree it right now over this city, these cities, the surrounding cities, Minnesota, Right? Um, the United States of America, and over, over all of us in this, and, and this, this we're going to do this, and you, I'll pull this out um, quite often, all right? I did, I believe, at the Saturday night a few nights ago. This is my mom. My mom did this on a Saturday night, and I just kept doing it. But I'm going to say, like, um, we decree against the spirit of religion. We say, and you just all say, stop. This is all in the name of Jesus. We're going to do this in the name of Jesus. We're proclaiming that. Right? We're speaking over the city. George Washington Carver, you, you know what she said last week, right? This is where it starts. That's why there's so much warfare here. All right? Think about it. The, all the riots started here, and then the rest of the world rioted. Okay? I think that's a picture of something. 
okay? And so, all right, so we decree against the spirit of religion, and we say, stop in the name of Jesus against the spirit of witchcraft. We, uh, we say, stop against the spirit of antichrist and the occult. We say, stop against the spirit of perversion. We say, stop against the divisive political spirit. We say, stop against racism. We say, stop against false justice and injustice. We say, stop against the spirit of slumber, apathy, and complacency. We say, stop against the spirit of Babel, result of unrighteous unity, a mob mentality, and cancel culture. We say, stop against accusation. We say, stop against fear and intimidation. We say, stop. And we declare over this city, the state of Minnesota, the United States of America, we move into the season of judgment against God's enemies, and all 10 of Haman's sons will be hung in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. This. Right, we literally, can you wait five minutes? Can we do five minutes here? Can we put up Luke 23, Luke 23 I believe? We'll be done in five minutes. He's hanging on the cross. Could, could uh, yes, well, I don't even have to say it. Did you see that? But, but he's laying, think about this. That, that's not even accurate because his face is deformed. Because the Bible is very clear in Isaiah. It says he was marred more than any man. That word marred means unrecognizable. They, they, he wasn't even recognizable. And so he's hanging there. And he's, he's saying in the midst of, it's chaos going on around you. Remember now, he's totally nude, completely beat up, bones showing in his wrist. It, it prophesied in Psalms that his bones were out of joint from, the, I think, from the cross dropping in the hole. And it yanked his shoulders out. And he's sitting there, he says, Father, forgive them. They, they know not what they do. And, and, the, and the soldiers are down there and they, they're, they're gambling for his, for his clothes. In verse 35, the people stood and the rulers also with them. Think about your enemies doing this to you. Derided him. So you're dying like that. He saved others. Let him save himself. If you're the Christ, save yourself. They're screaming out there. Adam. In th verse 36, the soldiers mocked him. They were, I think they were putting vinegar, you know, on a spear or a large stick like a sponge. And I think they were hitting him in the face. Come on. Come on, you can have a little vinegar. Hitting him in the face with it. Right, you think they nicely put it up there? You want some vinegar, Jesus? Okay, they were hitting him with it. 30, verse 37. If you be the king of the Jews, save yourself. Verse 38. You know, that was mockery. This is the king of the Jews above his head. Verse 39. One of the male factors which were hanged on one side is, is, even, is even coming at him. If you're really the Christ, you know, save yourself and save us. Then the guy on the other side in verse 40 said, rebuked him, says, don't you fear God seeing that, he, that we're, gonna, we're, in, we're being judged the same way? Verse 41. We receive due reward for our deeds. He's done nothing. 
You know, everyone knew Jesus. There were crowds of 15,000 that followed him around trying to touch him. Everyone knew who Jesus was. And this guy said, he's done nothing. So he knew. Verse 42. And he says, remember me when you get to heaven. Lord, remember me. Think about this now. This guy's being executed for what he did. He was a bad guy. Verse 43. He says, Verily, verily, I say, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So that guy's still there. All the guy said was, remember me. All he said is, looked at him and said, remember me. How easy is it to get saved? That was the first guy ever saved, technically. Maybe not. No, he had to come back for that to happen. That guy is in heaven. All, he was a criminal all his life. I just got to ask quickly if you could bow, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you want Jesus to remember you. If you want Jesus in your heart, it's real clear. You just got to ask him. So when you walk out of here and the devil says, you're not really a Christian, you say, what about the guy that said, remember me? So if you want Jesus in your heart, you want... Ask him to come into your heart to be your savior and be your Lord because everybody's heads are bowed. Could you just, could I just have you raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, starting on the right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Any other hands? Now I'm looking in the center. Seven. Thank you, Lord. Eight, nine in the center. I see two more in the center. 10, 11, 12. I'm over towards the left here. 13. 13 over here on the left. Any in the balcony? 14 in the balcony. 15 in the balcony. Thank you, Lord. 16. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This, this, it's real easy. You just, that guy said, remember me. It says, confess with your mouth in Romans 10, 9 and 10. But you know what? And believe in your heart. You just raised your hand. You know what that says? God saw that. That means you believe. If you raised your hand and said, I need him, that means you believe. And now we're just going to say this prayer. It's that easy. He did the hard part. Just repeat after me as we, as we pray this prayer. Dear God in heaven, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for my sins on the cross. I believe he was raised from the dead three days later. I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart to be my Savior and be my Lord. Thank you for saving me now. Amen. 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 Amen.